Hello, I'm Eddie French, and you might recognise me from such icy news noises as... <coughs> Daddy! And who could forget... <coughs> well, the good news is, is that I now have my own podcast. It's called Pick Scraped, and it is a fortnightly sketch show uh, made entirely by me. So if that sounds like the sort of thing you'd like, go to wherever you get your podcasts and listen to it. Thank you. Pick Scraped. You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. Boris Johnson is to call Vladimir Putin to attempt to pressure him to step back from war in Ukraine. The Prime Minister is said to have a brilliantly sharp mind for military tactics. Unless, of course, the British Army are ever ambushed with a cake. The estate agent who attacked Chief Medical Officer Chris Whitty in a park is sentenced to eight weeks in prison, and we'll soon find out just how spacious and airy the 12 by 8 foot box room with no natural light actually is. Number 10 insists that its planned national insurance increase will go ahead, despite the fact that mounting energy bills will soon kill off most of the country's pensioners before we ever have to pay for their social care. Following the Dominic Cummings controversy, Barnard Castle reports that 2021 was its best ever year for tourist numbers, as thousands flocked to the ruins to test if they could see what all the fuss is about. Nadine Dorries Gurns slurs her words and sways from side to side in a series of interviews defending the Prime Minister, after accidentally picking up the briefcase full of booze on her way from number 10, rather than her pat lunch. A UK ticket holder wins £109 million on the Euros, and instantly joins the elite 1% of Brits who can afford to heat their homes next winter. Keir Starmer distances himself even further from Jeremy Corbyn in a series of interviews, meaning that soon, the only thing they will have in common is a complete inability to ever win a general election. And finally, the boss of Peloton is to step down, before adjusting the incline to 6%, stepping back up again and really pushing through the pain for six overpriced minutes. Tis I, Sebastian Forlock, monarchist, submissive, loyal subject, and passionate conservative. <laughs> I stand before you today as a quantum journalist, a man trapped in perpetual flux, not a man but a moment, preserved in amber, suspended in time as the ceaseless eddies of reality stream past him. If I sound a little odd, I ask only that you bear with me, for I report to you today from the only place that makes any sense in the broiling chaos of this week's news cycle. You see, this is Earth Gamma Ypsilon Schrodinger's Limbo 32. It is a pocket realm quite sealed off from the laws of reality, where any and every possibility coexist in a state of quantum uncertainty. Here, scandals become opportunities. 
tragedies become victories, and the results of inquiries flit constantly between published and censored, and every article about Brexit can be penned to be both pro-leave and remain, <laughs> only truly crystallizing into existence when the eye of the beholder pauses to observe the winds of change. And if that sounds like complicated, pompous, overwritten nonsense that alludes to a lot, but doesn't actually say anything, congratulations! You've successfully pinpointed the precise location of this pocket of unreality. That's right. This swirling miasma of chaos and potentialities can exist in only one place throughout the entire multiverse. It's the reality that resides exclusively within Boris Johnson's brain. And let me tell you, it's quite the place. For a man like me, living in constant denial about the myriad humiliations his support of the Conservatives have heaped upon him, it's gloriously comforting. I'm practically floating in what I can only describe as a warm, sticky bubble of psychic amniotic fluid. It positively tingles with the chaotic energy, and every negative thought or brief moment of paralyzing self-reflection is instantly numbed by an adrenaline surge of either horniness or self-belief. It doesn't matter how god-awful my subconscious tries to hint I might be. In Boris Johnson's head, I just don't believe it. If this is what pathological narcissism feels like, I crave it. It's so gloriously detached. His defense that he didn't realize he was at a party. <laughs> Downing Street willfully broke the news it, 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 and so mocked the sacrifices so we have all made. Shattering the I think he's, he's a lying conniving piece of work who needs to resign immediately. If he can't follow his own rules, then why would anyone else? <clears throat> Can you hear that? The echoes of physical reality drumming on the skin of this bubble? I'm aware of them, but nothing here truly penetrates. Here, a police investigation into a sitting prime minister stops being a humiliating condemnation of his mendacity and corruption and instead becomes an opportunity. Here, 30 people drinking champagne in a garden stops being a party and instead becomes a work event. Here, ignoring your cancer-stricken wife to pursue a blonde 20 years your junior ceases being a grotesque betrayal of trust and instead becomes a charming story of true love. The rules don't apply, the consequences are non-existent, and reports that desperately need to be published are instead suspended in a constant state of flux. I feel only the tiniest pressure, and not a drop of shame or humility. Do you have any idea how revelatory that is for me, dear listener? I came here thirsty for embarrassment. You know me, after all, I'm a nubbin of a man who craves humiliation. It's all I hunger for. And yet, here, 
in Boris Johnson's head. I'm filled with such nauseatingly glorious confidence that I simply can't feel shame. It's no wonder that the Prime Minister has dropped all pretense with the apologetic shambles of a man from two weeks ago, once again replaced by the bullish warrior. Why would you ever need to face reality when even the Commissioner of the Metropolitan Police is willing to shield you from it? Here, the possibilities are endless. Even as humiliation looms outside among the dank horrors of physical reality, whatever the outcome of the Grey Report, should we ever actually receive it in anything remotely resembling its true and complete form, I can tell you now it simply won't cut through to this dimension. Boris Johnson's mind is a fortress of delusion and solitude. There's not a criticism in the world that can truly penetrate it. Any of you hoping that he'll resign, <laughs> I can tell you are in for the shock of your lives. To get rid of him, you're going to find yourself relying on the moral fortitude of the Tory party. And that, dear listeners, is the single most elusive quality of any reality. I'm Sebastian Forlock, bubbling along in a state of narcissistic bliss, reporting for IC News. Our undercover correspondent, Danny Sutcliffe, has been embedded deep in the parliamentary machine this week as he attempts to get to the bottom of exactly what's been going on among Conservative MPs. Hello, Sam. Says I, the Right Honourable Daniel Mountbatten Excelsior Sutcliffe, MP, taking your call here in my parliamentary offices. Danny, what's happening? Jeeves, more caviar, please, and make it snappy, you reprobate. I'll go at once. <sighs> Fucking hell, Sam. You nearly blew my cover just then. I'm in deep here, you knobhead. You can't be calling me Danny. They'll be all over it. This is a bit more extravagant than we discussed, Danny. You were meant to infiltrate the House of Commons by getting a low-level job in the civil service. I wanted you to get a general impression of the feelings in the Tory bunker, not pose as an actual MP. I know, but I had to do something to get these pricks to talk to me. As soon as they hear a northern accent, most of these eating ponces can't even see you anymore. I was getting ignored so much, I thought I was going mad. Do you know what I did on my second night here in the bar? I literally stood up in front of Jacob Rees-Mogg and windmilled me dick six inches from his face. He didn't even blink, pal. He just got up and closed a window. I'm really struggling to see where this is leading, Danny. I just panicked, mate. I was trying anything to get him to notice me. I got asked if I was a cleaner about six times, and then I just snapped and started claiming I was one of the new Red Wall MPs. Suddenly, everyone wanted to talk to me. Didn't it occur to you that somebody might, you know, check? Are you having a laugh? Can you tell one story apart from one another? It's like trying to learn the names of all 101 Dalmatians. 
They don't even know the towns in the north. I got asked who I represent once, and I just said Povington on the Gallagher. He just fucking nodded. Christ, they really are distracted at the moment, aren't they? Mate, it's Bedlam. I've seen more organised after-parties the night after the Hacienda. And there's a similar amount of cocaine kicking about, actually. That might explain a lot. Well, let's just focus on the main allegation I wanted you to investigate, then. Which are these stories about bullying and blackmail from the Whips. If they think you're one of the new intake of MPs, surely you've had some contact from the Whips in the middle of this crisis. Oh, mate, they've been all over me. The moment I said I was one of them, the rumours started. They come in for you, Redwall boy. They know you're a pork pie plotter. They'll make you swear loyalty to Boris. It was like Chinese whispers, and I don't mean the ones you can sometimes hear coming out of Barry Gardner's office. I just knew the whips were going to come and crank the pressure up on me. Apparently, they've been leaving dead pigs in people's lockers and everything. Well, I'm far too streetwise for that shit, mate. I knew exactly how to handle it. Prison rules. Danny, please tell me you didn't... I walked straight into the commons with a pool ball in a sock and a crack mark Spencer round the gob with it. Then I stood over his fallen body and screamed, I'm the right honourable daddy now. And to cut a long story short, I'm pretty sure Drawsdin's getting a new swimming pool. <laughs> Danny, I wanted you to see if you could confirm these allegations and expose the toxic culture in Westminster. Instead, you've just inserted yourself into it. You've not corroborated any of the things Spencer is meant to have said or done. Well, it's pretty difficult to corroborate anything when your jaw's broken in three places, Sam. But it did get me a corner office, and Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak have both offered me a future job in their cabinets. Unbelievable. So you're saying that standards in the House have degenerated to the point that physical violence is now an effective way to climb the political ladder? I don't even think I'm the first. Apparently, Pretty Patel's quite known for just taking people out at the knee with a hammer if you look at her funny. And Michael Gove's got a kitchenette in his office with a knife rack shaped like a human back. They reckon he's like Colin Farrell in Daredevil. What, you mean he can hit a target with a knife from anywhere in the room? No, I mean he's clearly coked off his tits and enjoying his role in what is clearly an absolute shit show far more than he should be. Rest in peace, Michael Clark Duncan. You deserved so much better. Let's just get to the main point, shall we, Danny? I agree, Sam. And yes, Ben Affleck was horribly miscast. No, focus, please. All right, plummeting standards in Parliament. Yeah, I get you. <clears throat> in summary, Sam, it's absolute chaos here at the moment. The old place is basically a riding tank of lampreys biting chunks out of each other in an attempt to rise to the top. It's like the last days of Caesar, except they don't come at you in knives. They ambush you with a cake and a bottle of Bollinger. It's the same posture in alpha male bollocks from a bunch of posh schoolboy tosspots that it's always been. And your proposed solution to all that, if there is one? As always, Sam, it's the old eight ball in a sock. And I've already passed it on to Sue Gray. I'm Danny Sutcliffe, and... Jeeves, where's my fucking caviar? Reporting for IC News. Shit! Shit balls! Fuck! Fuck me! Fuck it! What the fuck? How the fuck? Why the fuck? Shit me! Shit them! Fuck this! Fuck them! You, him, and the horse he rode in on.
just some of the colourful language that may have spilled past your lips earlier this week when the cost of living crisis suddenly escalated dramatically. Financial difficulties have worked hard to earn their promotion this season and as a result they'll soon be hitting the big leagues of the middle classes. That uncomfortable pinch we were all hoping would remain somebody else's problem is now coming for nearly all of us. And if you'll pardon my French, fuck me in the arse, eyes and mouth is this threatening to become I wateringly uncomfortable. The downward pressure of wholesale gas costs is once again threatening to crush the nads of just about everybody in Britain. The price cap on energy bills has just been raised by a staggering 54%, meaning that from April, the average household will find itself paying £693 more a year. Now, that's a hell of a punch to anyone's wallet, but for families who are already struggling with spiralling food costs, it threatens to be utterly crippling. There's no quick and easy solution to a global energy cost crisis, admittedly, but our illustrious Chancellor's ideas to help the poorest produced earlier this week are thin at best. And when compared to the fiscal action taken by some of our European neighbours, they're positively laughable. The total of the assistance Sunak is offering to any one household is £350. Now, I'm not the husband of a billionaire like he is, so I can't afford the niftiest of budget calculators, but by my estimate, that's still quite a lot less than nearly 700 bastard quid, and 200 of that 350 would be a loan anyway, presumably to be recouped from the malnourished corpses of the nation's poorest a few years down the line, when wholesale prices stabilise. If they stabilise, which, given Europe's dependence on Russian gas and the current situation in Ukraine, seems about as likely as Rishi Sunak doing his weekly shop in Lidl. Rising costs are a global problem, but Britain is uniquely exposed to that problem, and customers here will be hit harder for a number of reasons. Disruption and extra Brexit red tape is a part of that calculation, but we're also talking about decades worth of mismanagement of our energy grid, not least of which has been over the last 11 years of Tory rule. Poor regulation, selling off of our gas storage assets, a general failure to plan ahead for wholesale price rises and slow progress on renewable and nuclear power sources all contribute to this catastrophe. Pointing all that out is pure hindsight, of course, which we all know these particular Tories can't stand. So what if we had a way of avoiding that trap? Well, here at IC News, the multiverse means we thankfully do. Which is why I've come here to Earth Delta Tango Jonathan Storm 36. This is an Earth where the Conservatives have properly regulated the energy market and instead of throwing out loans and council tax rebates, they're offering some genuinely means-tested solutions to directly help the nation's poorest through the latest price crisis. This processing centre is a direct result and the Chancellor here insists that this is the purest Tory solution in the entire multiverse. Uh, Yes, thank you, Tom. What we do here is really very simple. If you're on universal credit, obviously you're going to very much struggle to absorb a £700 hit to your annual finances. 
We've found a uniquely conservative solution that benefits not just the nation's poorest, but more importantly, my friends who have shares in the renewable energy sector. And how does it work, Chancellor? It's quite straightforward, Tom. If you're too poor to live, we simply mulch and dehydrate you and your entire worthless family before processing your remains into blocks of waxy human biofuel, which your fellow more profitable citizens can then burn to save money on their own energy bills. It eliminates the need for universal credit, keeps costs down without impacting shareholder profits, and frees up housing for landlords to then purchase and ruthlessly exploit. It's gloriously Tory, and frankly we're amazed that more realities haven't adopted it. While we're here, what's your annual income, by the way? <laughs> well, um, that's, uh, that's all we have time for, and, and um, uh, now we have to leave immediately. Chancellor, thanks very much for your time. I'm Tom King, and I think I'll stick with putting an extra jumper on, thanks very much. Reporting for IC News. Come on, lads. Leg it. Oh, I should mention, we do only mulch your legs if you voted Brexit. Just one of the many dividends. But we can't rule out coming back for your arms when the cap rises again in October. Oh, he's, uh, he's gone. British and Western friends listening today on IC News Network. It is I, Alexander Notabot, celebrated international journalist and definitely not hitman and agent of Russian security services. Things are, how you say, a bit tense at the moment, no? Well, it doesn't need to be this way. I am here today to reach out hand of Russian friendship and assure you all there is nothing to worry about. All of this Ukraine drama is just little squabble between friends, or as you English say, storm in a teacup. Which, funnily enough, was codename of Operation last time I was in London. <laughs> if you know, you know. I speak to you today in interests of impartiality due to heavy bias of Western media. Every journalist in your country wants you to worry about scary new war in Europe. But this is not reasonable representation of facts on ground. Russia doesn't want war in Europe at all. In fact, Russia wants nothing to do with Europe. It just wants Russia to be slightly larger by measurement of about one Ukraine. <laughs> little joke for you there. I wish I could see your faces. Anxious little European friends jumping at shadows. Quiet back there. Sorry about that, Western friends. Kids and I are on road trip to Peppa Pig World. We have heard great things, and my youngest is, how do you say, noisy little shitbag. Where was I? Ah, yes, big war panic. Threat of invasion is nowhere near as hysterical press would have you believe. All great leader Vladimir Putin wants is respect on world stage, and less of NATO alliance breathing down Russian neck. 
Is it too much to ask that the Russian not be insulted by Western threats? Can we not avoid embarrassing spectacle of your politicians trying so hard to do big dinky waving? I mean, Christ, this week you sent Boris Johnson to Ukraine to try and frighten us. No offense, guys, but Fat Party Clown Act hasn't been scary since John Wayne Gacy. Such silly antics are not helping, you know. Back in the motherland, we know you Brits have new foreign secretary, strange smiling pork markets lady, whose big grin is frozen on face like a vat of a corpse in Russian winter. And we understand when old guy in job falls out of window and lands on seven bullets, you must work hard to appear strong and loyal to leader. But this least trust lady is very wrong to suggest big new sanctions to slap on Russian businesses in event of war. Oh no, Britain, please, don't threaten Russian allies of Putin, but at the same time, yet again, do absolutely nothing to address money laundering through London property market. How will big fat oligarchs ever hide assets now? <coughs> Not now, Dima, you hush mouth. Play on Pokemon and settle down like good boy. <laughs> Honestly, kids today, so demanding. But I have digressed and must focus once again on this war you in Britain are so fretty betty about. It's very hysterical of you to wag finger at Russia and lecture us about Ukrainian sovereignty. You want to criticize Putin? When your own tin pot autocrat is happy to destabilize entire nation just to feed own ego and remain in power? We take your tellings off with big pinch of salt. I tell you for nothing. Ah, it appears we are here, Western friends. And now I must go. Dimmer and I have arrived at Peppa Pig World and are very much looking forward to seeing what all the fuss is about. Try not to worry your little Western heads about all this war nonsense. And remember, if you do kick off with us, those gas prices are not going to get any easier. For now, though, take care and bye-bye. Hush now, wait here. Come on, Dima, time to meet the piggies. And there you go. Ah, I love the countryside. Maybe I will open farm on my new land in Ukraine. For now though, I'm Alexander Notobot, journalist and definitely not hitman for FSB, reporting for IC News. That's it, piggies, eat up. Britain, great, glorious Britain, raise your glasses and bend the knee, for it is time to rejoice and celebrate with our most beloved monarch. Long has she ruled over us, long indeed, for this past week saw her reach the unprecedented milestone of 70 years 
on the British throne. Our Queen has seen and done so very much. She is our foundation, our keystone, our national identity. She has been the stoic avatar of British voice and grace for seven decades. But even now, traitors and reformers lurk in the shadows. I'm talking, of course, about republicanism. The vile suggestion that our whole system, our whole national identity should be thrown out with the the death of our dear Queen Elizabeth. Not on my watch, Britain! Not while this royalist still bleeds red, white, and blue. For as long as I draw breath, the royal family shall live on. Long to rule over us. For a truly great Britain is a Britain that knows its place. These fanciful, deluded murmurings about the fall of our monarchy are nothing short of peasant treachery. Pitchforks at the gates of our literal castles. As our beloved queen appears to ail, only to bounce back to rude and glorious health, the calls to modernize our most revered institution begin to feel as tedious as they are grotesquely opportunistic. The greatness of our royal family lies not in its modernity, but in its commitment to tradition. The monarchy is a symbol of British dignity and greatness, an image etched in stone, a commandment to the people sent from the heavens. It must be as unwavering as it is immutable. What should we have them do, exactly? Hmm? Should we see Prince Edward flossing on TikTok? Perhaps Charles should start unboxing loot crates on YouTube. You've already seen just how ghastly and undignified those sort of things get when some of our ungrateful junior royals start podcasting. Honestly, next you'll be telling me that the royals should stop hoarding massive swathes of land and property and travel back in time to halt all their international nonsense. <laughs> How ludicrous would that be? <laughs> On that note, there's a real lack of gratitude among the younger generations for everything the monarchy does for them. And I'm telling you now, I won't stand for it. Of course, our dear Charles has some monumental gilded slippers to fill, should that dreaded day ever come, but to suggest that he is somehow incapable of rising to the challenge is appallingly unpatriotic. What could possibly be more British than pulling one up by one's bootstraps in order to effortlessly inherit the wealth and empire of your forebears? The thought that the Windsor line should instead end with the passing of our queen is to contemplate an unthinkable tragedy that betrays everything we stand for. 
These mewling ingrates and Charles naysayers need to see for themselves what a desolate and miserable place our islands would be without the stewardship of our heir apparent. Which is why I've come here. This wretched rock is Earth Delta Michael Jackson's vitiligo 13217, and Britain here has a rather different line of ascension. In this reality, our dear Charles is the second-born son. Meaning, well, you know what that means. Hear ye, hear ye! Following the passing of Her Majesty the Queen, it is hereby decreed that the western wing of Windsor Castle is to be demolished on the orders of our new king. It will be replaced by a giant bouncy castle, funded by the royal estate and complete with many dark corners for all of London's 13 to 16 year old girls to enjoy. So you see, dear listeners, back at home on Earth Prime, there really is something to be said for the proper line being followed. Charles might be a little cantankerous and controversial, as well as that previously unthinkable sin of being wed to a divorcee. But given the <clears throat> alternatives, well, you tell me, what would you prefer exactly? Hear ye, hear ye! His Majesty the King has also decreed that on this, the day of his accession, all citizens be entitled to a discount at Dutchy Organics Pizza Express restaurants. Buy one 12-inch stuffed crust and get an alibi free. I suppose you could suggest that we just abolish the whole thing and start again as a republic. But this is Great Britain we're talking about. We don't do change and revolution. I'm afraid it's pop privilege and national subservience for us. Anything else would be far too <laughs> French of us. Perish the thought. I'm Sebastian Forlock, positively filled to the brim with Jubilee Spirit, reporting for IC News. Hear ye, hear ye! Recent laws outlawing subtext mean I am now free to shout the king is a nonce. The king is a nonce. Ah, London. What a city. Home of the West End, Big Ben, and Buckingham Palace. It smells like money. That charming, familiar combination of piss, diesel fumes, and cocaine. The capital of our great nation is a global tourist hub, a magnet for business and investment, and a washing machine for laundering some of the dirtiest money you've ever seen. London can rinse all that blood and oil off your rubles until they positively sparkle, and at the end of it, They'll smell so fresh that you won't get a single whiff of stolen wealth off of them. London has had a serious Russian money problem for many years now. The current crisis in Ukraine has only served to highlight just how reluctant our politicians have been to get any kind of grip on the situation. 
The fall of the Soviet Union saw thousands of Kremlin-linked Russian elites climb their way to wealth and power on the back of chaos. And before long, they started seeking to move their money away from home. The luxury property market in London became the perfect place to stash the cash for Russia's nouveau riche. Many of whom have grown accustomed to the decadence of a Western lifestyle. And why not? London's got plenty to offer your average modern oligarch. High fashion, top-end entertainment, glitz, glamour, and the indulgence for those high-end tastes. And when the nostalgia pangs for the motherland kick in, all they need to do is jump on the tube. Ta-da! All of a sudden, you're right back in the bleak and miserable crush of the gulag. Attracting foreign investment into London has long been a major driving force in Britain's wider economic growth. Historically, however, that investment has not exactly come with a lot of due diligence performed on our end. The panic slamming shut of the Golden Visa Highway this week is a welcome step in stopping corrupt individuals pouring their dodgy wealth into our cities. But Transparency International warns us that up to 150 luxury London mansions with a value of one and a half billion pounds are already owned by Russians with close ties to the Kremlin. Between 2008 and 2015, 700 wealthy Russians moved here on Tier One visas, and in that period, no. State checks at all on the origins of their wealth were carried out. Ending the golden visa pathway now is like closing a stable door in Russia when the horse has already moved here, made itself at home, and shat all over the threadbare rug of our democracy. Since 2017, prominent Russian donors have poured nearly two and a half million pounds into the coffers of a conservative party that has, purely coincidentally, bolstered Russia's foreign policy aims by pushing an agenda that has destabilized our ties with Europe. All of this tough talk from Liz Truss and all the Tories now rings pretty damn hollow when the Conservatives have been so utterly compromised by campaign donations from prominent Russians since Boris Johnson came into power, and Boris himself insists that his government have cracked down on dodgy Russian investment in the capital. But, and here's the shocker for you, he's talking out his asshole. Our prime minister has repeatedly pointed to unexplained wealth orders as one of his government's greatest weapons in the fight against foreign influence and corruption. And on paper, they're great. If you're a politically exposed individual and you're suddenly buying up property that seems to be well beyond your financial means, an unexplained wealth order allows the authorities to force you to explain your financial situation. And that's under threat of the property or asset in question being seized by the state. When they were first introduced in 2017, the Home Office predicted 20 of them would be issued every year in the fight against money laundering and corruption. But the reality is that only four of them have ever been issued, and none of these have ever targeted Russians. And here's the real kicker: none have been issued since you guessed it. Boris Johnson came to power. Our failure to regulate and enforce on this issue severely damages our ability to effectively sanction Russia. 
Hell, even now, the threat to crack down on London's oligarchs comes with conditions. Liz Truss is effectively warning it'll only happen if Russia invades Ukraine. To basically admit that our capital's property market is a hotbed of fraud and corruption, but we can fix the crisis in Ukraine by threatening to maybe police our own laws, isn't exactly the terrifying threat she seems to think it is. But hey, what can you do? In London, money has always talked. And what it seems to be saying is that for our government, keeping it flowing is a lot more important than any war in Ukraine. I'm Alison June Smith, and I'm going to go and spend nine quid to drink a single pint in a pub full of absolute cunts. Reporting for IC News. While the situation in Ukraine continues to be incredibly tense, there are, of course, Stop the presses! This is an emergency! Danny, what the hell? I said stop the fucking presses, Sam! There are no presses. This isn't print media and we aren't a newspaper. Then cut the feed, bolt the arse, clip the wings, put a crushed can of coke in the back wheel arch so it sounds like a motorbike. For heaven's sake, do something, Sam! We are on the verge of war! Danny, the last thing we are doing in the face of this crisis is descending into outright hysteria. You need to calm the hell down. Calm? I've never been calmer, Sam! I'm a feather on the breeze, a lily pad on a still pond! Me? Calm down? You calm down! This is an international crisis! Only the coolest heads will prevail! Jesus Christ, what's got into you? What's got into me? What's got into you, mate? A world on the verge of tipping into chaos is a crossroads, Sam. A nexus of possibilities where the kissing cousins of change and opportunity meet in a bathroom stall and touch dicks! You might be a coward, but I want to be there for that moment. Sorry, you want to be there to watch cousins touch dicks in a toilet? I'm being metaphorical, Sam! I should hope so. Look, the point is, I know what you're going to be doing with all this Ukraine nonsense. You're going to be all matter-of-fact about it and riddled with Western bias. Wah, wah, wah. Putin's show of strength is in open defiance of NATO. Wah. I bet you haven't got a single thing there on your little auto-Q about the potential positives of all this. Danny, we're talking about the possibility of full-blown war in Europe. I'm struggling to see what you could possibly be considering a positive in all this. And since when were you pro-Russia? Are you fucking daft? I'm an obnoxious online conspiracy theorist who goads the libs and rails against vaccine mandates and the globalist elite. Where the fuck do you think I've been getting my ideas from? I've not got the energy to think of them myself, mate. I got radicalised on Fortnite. But that's besides the point. I'm not here to sing the praises of Mother Russia. Quite the opposite. I'm here to endorse capitalism, Sam. And you know how much capitalists bloody love a good war. Oh, Christ. Yeah, I see exactly where this is going now. And no, you're not doing it. Oh, yes, I am, Sam. And do you know how? Well, I can't wait for you to tell me, Danny, but I assure you that at no point in this episode are you going to be saying Go, 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 your pepper spray! Ah, God, my eyes! <laughs> Thank you, Dark Web. <laughs> now, where is it? Ah, here we go. <sighs> Fellow Britons. Are you terrified at the thought of a horrifying new war in Europe? Do you worry that your soft, 
paunchy body will be used as a foot cushion by cannibal raiders in the irradiated wasteland of the future. Do you fear for the rising cost of food and fuel in this, our new war-torn future? Well, put those fears to bed. Suck them in and then whisper in their ear that you're not even the real dad. Because you, dear customer, have got fuck all to worry about. Danny's Jet Wash Emporium, in partnership with Sutcliffe's military surplus and expired pharmaceuticals, have got you covered. Food and water purification? Check. Geiger counters and iodine tablets? Check. Tools and weapons for trench warfare? Check. Don't delay. Buy today and check out our online store for all of your wartime needs. We've got blackout curtains and powdered egg for that blitz nostalgia you wankers have been clamouring for for years now. We've got sheet metal for Anderson shelters, air scrubbers for filtration systems, short-handled shovels that double not only as digging tools, but also as hand-to-hand weapons for seeing off radioactive zombies in the event of a full nuclear winter. But the biggest bargain of all, at just 375 of your great British pounds, is our patented post-apocalyptic multi-tool. It's got everything you could possibly need. Several feet of rubber hose for siphoning off your neighbour's diesel when the price goes through the roof. A full set of lockpicks for breaking into military stockades in your desperate hunt for rations. A set of gardening multi-tools so that you can turn your garden into a self-sufficient miniature farm. And a complete phrase book that covers all the basic Russian you'll ever need to bow down successfully to your new overlords. The bombs could start dropping at any minute and the rush on these will start immediately. So beat the queue while you can and act now. Sutcliffe's military surplus and expired pharmaceuticals takes no responsibility for injuries sustained when using its patented post-apocalyptic multi-tool. Said multi-tool is a standard B&M retractable hose pipe with a screwdriver and child's guardian trial superglued to it. Previously mentioned iodine tablets are mostly miniature bounties from several years' worth of Christmas gift boxes of celebrations. Previously mentioned Geiger counters are hand-operated and are not, under any circumstances, just a single piece of gravel in an altoid tin that's been painted yellow. All purchases are non-refundable and must be made in cash! Danny, get back here, you absolute dick! Oh, God, that's... Things. <sighs> Hello again. It's me, Danny Sutcliffe. I'm here today with the right bargain for you. And no, it's not just the mystery me I've got in the back of my van. Although that is also primo stuff, so meet me behind odd bins and flash your full beams if you're interested. If you haven't joined our Patreon yet, we've got a special offer for you. Sign up now as one of our early bird supporters and you can get access to all of our exclusive content for just £2 a month. If you want bonus podcast sketches, compilation episodes and ICU stories, this is the cheapest you're ever going to get them. You've got to be quick though, this deal is limited to the first 500 patrons and they'll get snapped up quick. It's the best way to show your support for the show and you'll be helping us to grow moving forwards. 
As always, thank you for all of your support, and we hope you enjoy the show. And no, it's not badger meat, and if Brian May tries to tell you otherwise, he's a fucking liar! <laughs> <laughs> 